turn to Luke chapter 11, if we could today, please. And I'm going to read a very familiar passage of Scripture that God has uh, really challenged me on one word in this text. It's actually tw- two words, cause it's, but it's the same word, just used two different, two different times. And um, <clears throat> Luke chapter 11, and verse 1, and I'll begin by saying that I'm still processing this. This is something that goes against my grain, but yet it's in the Scripture. And I just have to say, uh, help me with it. I would welcome interaction, instruction. Um, it's just kind of a maybe cultural um, struggle that I have with this. But um, Luke chapter 11 starts off with a very familiar part that says, and it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And then we have in between um, this verse and verse 5, we have what we often refer to as the model prayer, where um, uh, we have these this instructional passage of prayer. And, but then our Lord adds something by way of an illustration. It's almost like he pauses and says, let me tell you a story so that you understand what I'm saying. Um, and really, it's a story about urgency. And it's almost as if he's given the instruction, and now he says, now I'm going to light a fire under you because I know you need this. So in verse 5 we say, we find, and he said unto them, which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine in his journey is come to me and I have nothing to set before him. And... He from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. And then it would be very easy, it would have been very easy for our Lord to even end the story there. You know, um, give me bread. But then we have an addition to the account. And I say unto you, Though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, or even on the basis of friendship, in other words, there is something more motivating than this friendship, yet because of his importunity, or we would even say persistence, some would say nagging, um, because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. So, in other words, throw the door open, come on in, take what you need, just leave me alone. Now, that's kind of how we would read this. I'm not certain that's exactly, obviously, the way the Lord would think, but verse 9, and, and this is an addition. So, in verse 8, we say we find the words, I say unto you, and now we have another level of um, intensity because he adds another word to that, and I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. So this word ask 
in verse 9 is the word that has really stuck in my heart. And uh, I know there's levels, there's asking, and there's seeking, and there's knocking, but this word ask is fascinating to me because the word ask can also be translated demand. It can also be having the idea of craving that would cause one to beg. So this is persistence because of urgency. This is very compelling. So what compelled the midnight knocking? It wasn't just somebody that had a hunger pain. It wasn't somebody that just needed a midnight snack. Evidently, there was a health issue at stake, and they needed bread. It was urgency, and it couldn't wait until the morning. So I looked at this word, ask, craving, demanding, and I thought, okay, is it used that way in other parts of God's word? And I'm I'm just going to challenge you to look that word up because it is used multiple times in God's word with a different emphasis of just asking. So we think of asking as, you know, dad, can I borrow the car? Okay. But this is dad, if I don't borrow the car, I will perish. Well, and I've probably pulled that one as well, but I will die. Um, Luke chapter 23 and verse 23, the word is used in a different way translated, but they were insistent demanding with loud voices that he, Christ, be crucified. And the voices of these men and of the chief priests prevailed. So there was demanding. The word demanding is our word ask. We don't think of asking as demanding unless we're really, really arrogant. And we demand to have our way. But this is the word. And then in James chapter 4 and verse 1, from whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts, which is a very strong word, excessive desire, even of your lusts that war in your members, ye lust and have not. Okay, how, how intense is this lust? It is mirrored by the words, the next two words, ye kill, which is very violent, and desire to have and cannot obtain, ye fight, that's a hostile word, ye fight, and war, so this is not just menial things, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. And we think we can come all the way down in our intensity to just a gentle request of, no, this is hostile asking, this is demand asking, this is intense Asking. So the point is, it appears, not that we must beg God in the sense that we're trying to get him to do something he doesn't want to do. The midnight pounding here is someone having a great need. And they discern whether it's worthy of great action or great attention. And if so, that is demonstrated in the demand. That is demonstrated in our praying. So I want to encourage us in urgent praying. So this asking is an urgent asking. It's God, would you see our serious-hearted nature of our praying? 
Would you see that we have weighed out the needs and this is worth our demand that you work? Then I got thinking about other applications of this. So soldiers discern and then demonstrate urgency. They may be sitting around the campfire, but then a missile comes in and they say, hey, there's some, we got to do something about this, and they move to action. This is, this is the urgency. Um, an athlete sacrifices, has a rigid diet, strives for the mastery because of the urgency of winning that prize. I would trust that firefighters would not demonstrate laziness, but urgency in fighting a fire. They evaluate the need, and then the urgency is is mirrored. A surgeon may meet with you in the office, and they may say, he or she may say, we can wait two months or six months for this, or they may say, you need to go to the hospital right now, and we're going to have you on the operating table in two hours. It's urgent. So urgency Evangelists, I think, are often set apart even in church ministry by their urgency. And God uses that. I've never heard of a complacent evangelist. There's always a fiery evangelist. And even missionaries, gospel partners on foreign fields or, or, or local fields, demonstrate urgency. So with that, You'll remember, and I'm not going to take time to read it, but I'm going to encourage you to, to read, and maybe because I'm sure you probably know of this, Adoniram Judson died um, mid-1800s. The Lord called Adoniram Judson to go to India, and uh, then on to Burma, what we often refer to today as Myanmar, Um had two wives, um, one passed away, another, the other passed away, um, many of his children died in Burma. Um, the letter that he penned to his father-in-law to marry his first wife is found on the internet, and it is incredible. Basically, father-in-law, future father-in-law, do you ever want to see your daughter again? You need to know that she may die in transit. You may need to know that she's going to undergo incredible persecution, but I still want to marry her because of the urgency of the matter of gospel advance. Um, And if you read that on the internet, you're going to find probably several descriptions. And I've been to the church in in, uh, Yangon, Myanmar, um, that's called Judson Baptist Church, where there's a tribute to Adoniram Judson and the the 8,000 believers that uh, he left behind and the, and the churches that were planted and uh, now numbering almost 3 million Christians in Myanmar. This is urgency that God honored and rewarded. So yes, we trust God, but the parallel is urgency. The parallel is even insistence of God. And this is, this is kind of where I've been wrestling. So I'm going to read three verses to close here. And would you, um, would you maybe just scratch your head along with me in these regards? So Psalm 70 says this. Psalm 70 verse 1. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me. O Lord. In other words, God, would you work? Would you start working? Would you make haste? 
Psalm 70 and verse 5, but I am poor and needy. Make haste unto me, O God. Thou art my help and my deliverer, O God. (laughs) Make no tarrying. God, why aren't you moving? God, why do you tarry? And then Psalm 71, verse 12, O God, be not far from me. Oh, my God, make haste for my help. God, would you stop being at a distance? Would you please come? And this just to me mirrors the urgency, this midnight knocking of Luke chapter 11. Jesus wants us to know that God is not offended by our boldness. Jesus wants us to know that God is not offended by our insistent urgency We might look at that and say, what nerve that person has. Jesus says, no, that's not how how we look at it. That's not how God looks at it. In fact, it's appealing to him when someone with urgency crosses that line from politeness to persistence. I'm wrestling with this. It's not arrogance to God to do this. I wrote four words down. Evidently, this is humble, dependent, aggressive urgency. Humble, dependent, aggressive urgency. Commentary, commentator Matthew Henry, Henry writes this, not that God can be worked over by our impudence. We cannot change his intentions. We prevail with men by impudence because they are displeased with it, but with God because he is pleased with it. God is pleased with our persistence, and God is pleased with our urgency. So as we pray today, could we evaluate the needs? What are we up against And it seems to be in our culture, we're up against a monster, our adversary, the devil. And yet, we can be overwhelmed with glory and overwhelmed with the power of our God. And we want others to feel his glory. We want others to be overwhelmed with his glory. I loved, and I don't know, I loved what Joel Beakey said on Saturday this is not an exact quote, but he said something like, God, may the, may the awakening we're praying for be even greater than the awakenings we've seen. In my mind, I'm thinking, God, if you could match the awakenings we've seen, I'm going to be happy. He's wanting, he said, God, would make it even better. Make it even greater. Um, praying with urgency. And may the Lord even draw others into our urgent praying.